wonder if we could turn in our Bibles to the uh, Epistle of Paul to the Ephesians, to chapter 5, and we'll read from verse 6. Ephesians chapter 5, and beginning our reading at the sixth verse of the chapter, Ephesians chapter 5, beginning our reading at verse 6. Let no, no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord." And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are the evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Amen. We know the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his precious word. Can we unite at the throne of grace in prayer? Our loving God and our gracious Father, we come to thee now. We thank thee for the word of God, and we do thank thee for the instruction that it brings to our souls. We pray that it might be uh, not only instruction that we hear, but that which we heed today. And we'd ask thee that thou wast uh, enforce the commandments that are contained in what we have read here into our hearts and into our lives. And we pray that thy blessing might be upon us as a people meeting together Draw us nigh to thee and bless thy soul, uh, bless our souls today, for it's in Jesus' precious name that we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Now, my text is uh, verse 18 there, a well-known text. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And here we have the mention of the infilling or the filling of the Holy Spirit. Now, we've been looking at the Holy Spirit. We've been doing a series upon the Holy Spirit, and we have been thinking about the way that the Holy Spirit is portrayed in the Bible. We thought about the power a few weeks ago, the empowering of the Holy Spirit, and we thought about how we need that power today. Every child of God has the indwelling Holy Spirit we are told in the book of Romans, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So each one who is saved has the Holy Spirit dwelling in their hearts. And last time we thought about the comfort 
of the Holy Spirit, how he dwells within us uh, in order to comfort us. But what I want us to see today is that there is such a thing as the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Not only that the Lord dwells in us, that he's with us, and that he dwells in us, but then we can have an infilling of the Holy Spirit by which the Holy Spirit has all of us, or uh, he fills all of us. There's no part of us that is not uh, available to the Holy Spirit. And when we look at the uh, text of Scripture here, I want you to see that that's not just an option, or it is not just something that might be uh, wonderful for us, but it is a command. This is given here as a command. It's an imperative. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So this is not just something that is for an elite or just for a, a certain group of people or for those that are full-time in the work of God, but this is something that should be true of every child of God. We should be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, we, I think of what Pastor Charles Swindle or Chuck Swindle, he made this statement about this verse of Scripture and he said, I don't know of a more important verse in the New Testament for the Christian than Ephesians 5 and 18. I'm honest, no exaggeration. Maybe you've said at times, I just can't seem to get victory over this certain sin in my life. I mean, I want to stop, but no matter how I try, I just can't. I do find, find, uh, do find for a while, but then it's back in my life with a vengeance vengeance. It seems like it's trying to make up for lost time. And yea, I pray, I read my Bible, I try to do what God wants, but sometimes my prayers don't seem to get above the roof. Sometimes my Bible seems like a bunch of gibberish. Other times I don't feel any connection to God. I feel like he's real to me. Uh, I don't feel like he's real to me or that he's even with me. And that's what Chuck Swindle said. Now, I wonder if that feels familiar to you. Are there times when you read your Bible and you're not getting anything? Are there times when you pray and it doesn't seem as if God is there or answering your prayers? Well, if that is something's familiar to you, I think it's familiar to all of us. There are many times when it seems as if God is far off. In other words, there are times when we're not filled with the Holy Spirit. And perhaps one of the greatest needs of the hour is for God's people to be filled. We want the power of the Holy Spirit, and we want to be empowered by him in order to go out there and see this world turned upside down for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need that infilling of the Holy Spirit today. Now, I want you to notice something very peculiar here, and that is that Paul compares the Holy Spirit or the infilling of the Holy Spirit to uh, drunkenness. Now, drunkenness is not something that we would commend and not something that the Bible commends. There are those that would uh, justify 
having a little drink now and again, even Christians who would justify that. Now, when we look in the Bible, I have a book at home that uh, shows the way that wine in the Bible, it is... uh, It can be something that's intoxicating, that's alcoholic, but also the word for wine is something that just speaks of the fruit of the grape juice. And when you bear that in mind when you're reading the Bible, it gives a lot of enlightenment to it. But nevertheless, whether what you believe about alcohol, I want you to realize that drunkenness is something that is condemned in the Bible. So why on earth does Paul liken being filled with the Holy Spirit to drunkenness? Well, I think there's a couple of things here. First of all, there is a comparison between the two. You remember the day when the apostles were filled with the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, and Peter stood up to preach, and the others were preaching, and every man heard Uh, the apostles preaching in their own tongue. They were preaching in the languages of the people. And you remember how the people, some of them said, these men are drunk. They said, they're drunk. So there was a likeness in some way between what was happening to the the, uh, disciples as they were filled with the Holy Spirit and drunkenness. But then... Also, I want you to see that not only is there a comparison, there seems to be some likeness between this drunkenness and being filled with the Holy Spirit, but there's also a contrast. Drunkenness, of course, is something that is condemned. Drunkenness robs us of so much of what God would have us to be. It takes away our faculties, and it makes us dull of of thinking and so on. And there is a contrast then between drunkenness and being filled with the Holy Spirit. But we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I hope today, as we see the command of God, that it is our desire to obey what God has to say. We need to go out there as people, as the disciples went out on the day of Pentecost and saw the world turned upside down as they were filled with the Holy Spirit, So we, as the church of God today, need to have a people who are filled with the Holy Spirit going out there to see things done for the Lord. And certainly today, we want to have that. So what we want to do today is just look at what the Word of God has to say. We want to draw the comparisons and the contrasts between being drunk with wine and being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we can see even in the context here what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so for a few minutes today, we want to look at what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the first characteristic that I want you to see of being filled with the Holy Spirit is enlightenment. Now, We want clear-sightedness, we want perceptiveness. Now, as I say, what does drunkenness do? What does alcoholic drink do to you? It robs you of your thinking. You don't think right. It dulls your senses. It muddies your thinking. It it destroys your natural inhibitions. And you can make a fool of yourself. And people do all sorts of things 
when they are drunk. Um, I remember hearing W.P. Nicholson on a tape speaking about when he was, as he described it, three chiefs to the wind and in a public house, and he could preach. And there are those who will come up to you. You maybe have encountered drunk people, drunk men particularly, who will come up to you and they'll get very close to you and they will say all sorts of peculiar things that normally they wouldn't say. So when you are drunk, it destroys your inhibitions. It destroys your way of thinking. But what does be filled with the Spirit do? It enlightens your heart. It brings all things to your remembrance. As we read in John chapter 14 and verse 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. It will get us thinking right. When you think in accordance with God's precious word, when you think in accordance to what God has said, when you are in obedience to what God has said in his word, then you are thinking right. And one of the first characteristics, and I'm not going to dwell on this today because really I've really thought about this before in some of the other uh, messages, but when you are filled with the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit is operating in your life, you begin to think with clarity. You begin to think aright. You look at the world out there and the way that it thinks, and its thinking is upside down. Its thinking is perverted. There is a perverted thinking in this world at the present time. But when a person is filled with the Holy Spirit, we begin to think in a way that we never thought before. You think of the psalmist in Psalm 8, when he said, When I consider the heavens, the work of thy hands, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. What, what does man think about when he looks at the stars? Oh, how beautiful it is. Uh, how can, uh, what, what, what uh, uh, how kind of cheese does the world or the moon, what is it made of? Well, people have thought about that in times gone by. But what does the child of God think of? Well, the psalmist said, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? There's a different way of thinking that the child of God has. So that's the first thing anyway. We have enlightenment. But then there is a second thing that is a characteristic of the spirit that has been like being drunk with wine. Enthusiasm or exuberance or excitement. Now, this is a strange uh, contrast here or a, st a strange comparison that is made. There are many Christians today and they say that to be filled with the Spirit is to be, uh, they say, well, in order to be filled with the Spirit, you've got to speak with tongues. You've got to speak with uh, a, a, a heavenly language, a peculiar language, an, an Kabbalah kind of a, a language. Does speaking with tongues lead to that? And you, they get into meetings where they are worked up and they become enthusiastic and they become excited and then they burst into this exuberant kind of a language. Is that what being filled with the Spirit is? 
Well, I would remind you that the Lord Jesus, when he was upon earth, at the start of his ministry, he didn't say much about the Holy Spirit. In the middle of his ministry, he didn't say much about the Holy Spirit. But at the end of his ministry, he spoke about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit would come. But he didn't emphasize that you had to speak in tongues. The Lord Jesus himself never spoke with tongues. Now, when the day of Pentecost did come, they spoke with tongues, but these were known languages. It wasn't that Allah Kapala, and I'm not good at speaking in tongues, but it wasn't that business. It wasn't anything like that. It wasn't some kind of ecstatic tongue, glossolalia, as they have even in pagan religions, they have that kind of speaking in tongues. It wasn't that. That's not the mark of uh, speaking in tongues. And we know that the Bible speaks about God's people being sober. And it speaks about us uh, being uh, sober and uh, serious in our religion. And there are many things about our religion that are sober and serious. But on the other hand... On the other hand, and I don't think that there's a contradiction, we need to be excited about our religion. We can't be asleep. You get churches today that are asleep. They are so sober that they're asleep. No, we, we don't go overboard. We're not going to work up a, a fleshly excitement in the people. But on the other hand, we need to be excited we, we need to be serious about what we're saying. People need to know that we believe what we are saying, what we are preaching. We believe the Word of God, and so we're excited about it. And we're going to speak in an excited way about it because we love our God, and we are glad of what He has done there in sending His Son to die on the cross to be our Redeemer and to be our Savior. Oh, the uh, people, the, the disciples on the day of Pentecost, the people said, these men are full of new wine. What did Paul or Peter say? He said, these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing as the third hour. There was something about them that seemed to be as if they were drunk. Why? Because they were excited. Because the things of God meant something to them. And that's what uh, marks those that are filled with the Holy Spirit. They're not going to be counted as dead or asleep. They're going to be counted as those who have enthusiasm. And we can see that in the thrill that they had and the thrill that Peter and the disciples had. Not only did they have a thrill, but they have a tunefulness. Look at what it says in verse 19 of the portion of Scripture. Speaking to yourselves, he says, Be not drunk with wine where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody unto the Lord. So here's what they did. They sang. They sang. There should be a song in the heart of God's people. The song of the soul set free. Are you singing today? 
Is there a song in your soul today, something you never had? Jesus has taken my sins away. Oh, say, but I'm glad. Oh, there are a lot of people cast down today, and they're going around as if the world was on their shoulder. But oh, that we might come today with a song. Have you been singing today? You mightn't have much of a tune in your heart like the preacher here, but you can sing because God has redeemed us with his precious blood. Not only is there the sense of thrill and tunefulness, but there's the sense of thankfulness. Look at verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We come with thankfulness today. That gives us an enthusiasm. When you're thankful, when you know that you've been given mercy, when you know that God has dealt with you in a wonderful way, a merciful and a gracious way, you come with thankfulness in your heart, and that fills you with enthusiasm and fills you with a, a wonderful love of the Savior. We need to have that enthusiasm. The next thing that I want you to see is excellence. And I want you to see that be filled with the Holy Spirit is not only marked with enthusiasm, but excellence. It says, be filled with the Spirit. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. Be filled with the Spirit. Now, we begin to act differently when we take wine. It go, the, 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 uh, the text says we go to excess. And is not what happens when a person is drunk. They get, they get into excess. They, they drink so much, they're, they're singing to excess. They are uh, falling about to excess. They are speaking to excess. They are friendly to excess. And he says, be not filled with wine wherein is excess. So being drunk leads to excess. Now being filled with the Spirit also should lead to excess. Not an excess of evil, but an excess of holiness. Now we want to be excessive in our holiness, in our walk with God. We read in John 16, verses 13 and 14, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of, of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that will he speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and will show it unto you. In other words, the um, Holy Spirit will lead us to glorify God to excess, to as far as we can. We will be holy in our walk, holy in our life, and we will do it to an excess, to an abundance. Now, is that true of your life and mine? Are we abundant in our service of God? Are we abundant in our times of prayer? Are we abundant in what we do in serving the Lord, in speaking to others about the things of God? There's an excess in what we do. And there's an excellence in what we do for God. Now, I'm preaching today, and I've completely gone off what is on my notes here. 
So uh, we're really um, going from one thing to the other. But there's another thing that is true of being filled with the Holy Spirit of God, effort. Now, a drunken life is a wasted life. A drunken life is where, where somebody gets drunk, they're not able to work. But here's one of the contrasts. When a person is filled with the Spirit, they will work. They will work, work for Christ, work for the kingdom, work for the good of the, uh, our, the Savior, and we will be controlled, we will be ruled, we will be under submission. When a person is drunk, they have lost control of themselves. But when a person is filled with the Holy Spirit, they are controlled by God. They, they, they have lost control of themselves in that sense, but they're under control. They are under submission to God. And we read in verse 21 there, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. We submit ourselves one to another and we do what we can for one another, and we do good works for one another, and we are to serve one another, but then also we serve in the fear of God. We're doing it for God. We're doing it for God's glory. We're going to, going to do it for God's honor. We're doing it for God. And is that so in our lives? Are we putting in effort? You know, it's easy to sit back and to do nothing, to let things uh, flow over us. But are we working for God in this day and generation? Are we working for God? The Bible said, the Lord said of his people, He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. That speaks of excess, but it speaks of effort in doing something for the Lord Jesus Christ. D.L. Moody one time was in a campaign in England, and somebody was a little bit skeptical about D.L. Moody, and they protested, why do we need D.L. Moody? We, we, uh, we have uh, ministers of our own. We have pastors of our own. Uh, D.L. Moody is uneducated. He's inexperienced. And he said all sorts of things about D.L. Moody. And then he added this. He said, do you think that D.L. Moody has a monopoly of the Holy Spirit? And the person said, well, D.L. Moody doesn't have a monopoly of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit has a monopoly of D.L. Moody. And that's what made the difference. The Holy, the Holy Spirit had a monopoly of D.L. Moody. Oh, that the Lord might have a monopoly of you and me. Something else that is true, empowerment. Now, we thought about the empowering of the Holy Spirit a few weeks ago, so we'll not dwell on this. But there is going to be power for those that are infilled with the Holy Spirit. The person who's drunk doesn't have power. They don't have power to stand. Power goes from their legs. Power goes from their limbs. Power goes from their brain, and they're not able to stand. The person that is filled with the Holy Ghost 
stands in the power of God. And you think about the disciples on the day of Pentecost and how God gave them power. And later on it was said of them, these are the men that have turned the world upside down. We need that power in this day and generation. One more thing, very briefly, that is a characteristic of being filled with the Holy Spirit is endurance. Because when you look at the tense of the command here, in the Greek you can have a command that is continuous or you can have a command that is very, uh, very definitely one-off. Now, was this a command to be filled with the Holy Spirit as a one-off? Just this is something that happens to me and that's a big experience like being saved. I'm saved once and once for all time. Is being filled with the Spirit like that? No, it's not. Because it's a present command. It's a present imperative here. And that means keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. This is to be a habit of life. This uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit. You read about the disciples in the book of Acts that they were filled with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And then later on, a few chapters, we read about them being filled with the Holy Spirit again. So this is not something that lasts a lifetime. We've got to be constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. This is not a one-time emotional event or experience. It has to occur day by day, moment by moment. You could have been filled with the Holy Spirit yesterday, but you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit today. Oh, that God might come into our hearts and into our lives and fill us with the Holy Spirit and with power. But he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not an option. It's not something that we pick and choose whether we do it. No, for the child of God, this is something that we need and we do need it in this day and generation we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. May God write his word upon our hearts for his name's sake. Let's just bow in a word of prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, we thank thee for the command that is given here to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And we'd ask thee that each one of us who are saved today may know that blessing, that day-by-day -day blessing of being filled. May we know thy power. May we know uh, what it is to work to excess, to work abundantly. Help us, O God, to serve thee with all of our hearts and bless us as we seek uh, to follow thee day by day for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Let's just close in the last hymn there on the uh, board. The hymn 165, breathe on me, breath of God, fill me with life anew. Let's just think about the words as we sing them. We'll sing the first two verses of the hymn, but just when you're turning to it, can I mention uh, there's a sum of money that was found just outside there on, um, uh, on the step. Uh, and if you've lost a sum of money, do let us know. Uh, we mentioned it last week, but we're mentioning it today in the morning service, just in case somebody has lost it. Otherwise, we'll just put it on the plate, but uh, 
If you have lost it, do let us know. 165, the verses 1 and 2. Breathe on me, breath of God. Fill me with life in you, that I may love what thou dost love, and do what thou wouldst do. The hymn 165, and we stand as we sing. God and our Father, fill us with the Holy Spirit and with thy power today. Bless us as we go our separate ways and be with us throughout this day and bless thy word this evening afresh. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. Amen.